This is Notoriously Episcopalian. My name is Kelly Hudlow. This is a podcast of sermons and musings all about the Christian faith and especially about being an Episcopalian. This is a sermon offered on the third Sunday after Pentecost, June 13, 2021, at St. Peter's Episcopal Church in Talladega, Alabama. The principal text of the sermon is 1 Samuel 15:34 through 16:13, the anointing of David as the future king. May I speak in the name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. So a couple of weeks ago, I made the drive over to Atlanta to go to an art installation called the Van Gogh Immersive Experience. This uh, installation uses digital projection and classical music to bring Van Gogh's paintings to life. Different paintings are animated and viewers could see on these giant walls the broad scope of Van Gogh's paintings moving in and out of frames, sometimes dancing within their frames. And Van Gogh's more well-known pieces were projected floor to ceiling in this room so that you were inside of the swirling colors of his art. Now, Vincent van Gogh is one of my favorite artists, and so it was a real treat to see this new imagining of his work. Apparently, I am not alone in appreciating van Gogh. There are currently five competing traveling art exhibits using very similar techniques to bring van Gogh's paintings to life, and one will be coming to Birmingham this fall, I'm told. It's a lot of attention for an artist that in his lifetime only managed to sell a handful of paintings. It wasn't until he died, though shortly after he died, that people began to take note of Van Gogh's art. His striking and sometimes unusual use of color, the tragic story of his life and illness and death still capture our imagination today. Now, some scientists have tried to come up with explanations for Van Gogh's peculiar use of color. Some suggest he was colorblind. When you put the paintings through certain filters to sort of test and examine colorblindness, um, they show up and look much more muted and like regular colors. And so the thought is, is that Van Gogh had a particular type of colorblindness that made him have the inability to see the color red. Others speculate that Van Gogh's turn to bolder color later in his life was the effect of medicine derived from the foxglove plants that had been prescribed to him for his seizures. One of the main effects of this type of medicine was to cause you to have yellow-blue vision and see halos around lights. Some offer an even simpler explanation, and that is that Van Gogh later in his life when he went to the country when he was sick, simply saw more sunshine than he saw living in the cities. And so his paintings got brighter and more yellow because of that. Whatever the reason, 
Vincent van Gogh saw the world differently than those around him and was able to use his talent to capture the world as he saw it and paint. And those paintings and artwork, whether on museum walls or reimagined in digital projections, continue to invite us, the viewer, to see the world differently and maybe a little bit like Vincent did. Our reading from Samuel this morning tells us clearly that the Lord does not see as mortals see. Mortals look on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Now, when you heard this reading from 1 Samuel, you may have been confused, and rightly so, because last week, our reading from 1 Samuel, we had just made Saul king. And here we are starting off this reading with Samuel grieving over Saul's failure and the Lord being sorry for making Saul king to begin with. It is clear and very quickly that something has not gone as originally planned. As far as secular kings go, Saul was all right. He was a successful military leader. He also would admit it when he screwed something up and messed something up and needed to say he was sorry. But where Saul fell short was he continually failed to listen to and trust God's word. Saul would not wait for the prophet Samuel to appear and properly make burnt offerings, but instead when he heard the people grumbling, getting bored, starting to slip away, when he felt his position starting to be eroded, he took on the job of making an offering for himself. When God told Saul that he needed to completely destroy the Amalekite people, Saul instead chose to spare the king and to keep the best sheep and cattle for himself and for those who served in battle. Saul trusted in himself and in the support of the people that he led more than he trusted in the power of God to deliver them. So while Saul looked the part of a king, God decided that it was time to do something different. Saul was young, attractive, came from a family of wealth and power, but this time God was going to look in a different location. David's family, his father Jesse and his family tree included foreign and scandalous women. And as Samuel comes and sees each son, each one looks like they should be a king. They're strong or they're attractive or they just have that certain look about them. God says again and again, no, not this one. It is finally the eighth and youngest son who had been left out in the field to tend the sheep because surely the eighth son had no expectation of being selected for anything. This eighth son would become the man after God's own heart. Now we have seen this pattern before in the Old Testament. We've seen God make the impossible from the make the possible from the impossible. 
from barren women having children to raising up younger sons such as Jacob and Joseph to lead the people, God again and again sees possibility where others do not. Jesus says it this way, that the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed, the tiniest and smallest of seeds, but when it is sown, it grows up to be the greatest of all shrubs and puts forth large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. When we look to the world around us, we know that there is no human control over what a seed does. Now, we can do a lot of work around it. We can shape the plant that comes from it. But it doesn't matter how powerful we are or wealthy we are or popular we are. We cannot control or determine the life of that seed and when it will come forth. It is the power of God in and through creation that turns the tiny seed into something that is great, that can provide a home for other creatures of God. Our readings today point to the fact that God chooses to work through the small. Paul, in his letter, first letter to the Corinthians, says that God chose what was low and despised in the world, things that are not to reduce to nothing the things that are. Now, as humans, we have the natural tendency to look around and see what others are doing and get a bit envious, to look at those outward signs of success and wonder, why can't we have that or what do we need to do to get that? In the church, sometimes we look across the street to our Baptist brothers and sisters or Methodist brothers and sisters or even other Episcopal churches that maybe seem bigger or fancier than we are and we want what they have and just want to figure out what is the one thing that we can do to fix whatever fill in the blank is so we can be like those folks over there that seem so successful. The pandemic made this worse we began to put everything online and we could see exactly what the Joneses were doing across the street in their church and the technology arms race began. Who could have the fancier cameras? But here's the thing. Whether you had a professional videographer and lights broadcasting your worship online or if you were just doing Zoom on your iPhone, God could see through all of that. And God could see that at the heart of all of our communities, from the fanciest to the simplest, was the desire to praise God and to find a way to remain connected as the body of Christ. Now that doesn't mean that we shouldn't do our best to look good, to do things well, to have a good online presence, to make sure the carpets are vacuumed and the doors are open and that things are where they are supposed to be. But what it does mean is that that's not what is controlling the decisions that we are making. That we do all of those things not so that we can be successful because we've done the work to do them. We do them because we have turned our hearts towards God and by making a community that is together and ready to welcome and receive folks, we point other people's hearts towards God. God chose David, the eighth 
son of Jesse, to establish a king that would a kingdom that would be built on God's faithfulness and not David's. The kingdom of God relies on God seeing creation and looking past our outward appearances of strength to find the beauty and humility within us. It is only by God's faithfulness that creation has made it this far. It's God's faithfulness that brought forth patriarchs and matriarchs, brought us through the wilderness, offered us judges and prophets and kings. It is only God's faithfulness that leads to the incarnation, death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus Christ. And it is only through God's faithfulness that the Holy Spirit was poured out onto the world. It is God's faithfulness to us and to God's creation that calls us forward, even when we don't seem like the ones that should be able to do it, calls us forward into bringing the kingdom of God to here and now. It's also God's faithfulness that invites us to see the, way, see the world the way God does. Not just being stuck on outward appearances or focusing on what we think are the signs of success, but to looking further in to see what is in the heart of those around us. I think one reason why I like artists like Vincent Van Gogh is because they help me learn how to see the world more deeply. They catch my attention. They make me stop and look at something a little bit longer than what I normally would do. Van Gogh and other artists challenge all of us to see the world differently. They find beauty in nature and human life that can be so very easily overlooked. The world looked at a night sky in southern France and only saw darkness. But Vincent van Gogh looked at the same night sky and found it more alive and richly colored than the day. Van Gogh didn't see blackness. He saw yellow and orange and blue and swirling lights from God's creation of the stars and the moon. The world looked at David, the eighth son of Jesse, and didn't think anything about him. But God looked at David and saw the seed for the kingdom of God. For the Lord does not see as us mortals. God does not look on outward appearance, but looks on the hearts. Amen. Amen.